We are back. Uh, joining us now is someone we were uh, privileged to have on last year talking about Wyatt Earp, local historian. And, uh, well, he's got a lot of other credentials, too. I'll let, I'll let you tell him what they are. Roger S. Peterson returns to Radio Parallax. Welcome back, Roger. Good evening. Now, could you clarify? Well, how would you, cl- would you clarify your, uh, your, uh, your bio here, your resume? Oh, I guess it depends on the time of the day or the day of the week. But... Uh... Former college textbook publisher, uh, freelance business writer, and a business tutor, a business writing tutor. And um, I tutor adults and adolescents in writing, and I also do a lot of freelance writing for hire. Well, and that, that brings us to why, we, uh, why we're why we so privileged to have you back at this point, because you're, you're really uh, basking a bit in the, in the spotlight, Roger. You were in the New York Times day before yesterday. That's my 15 minutes of fame. It's all over now. <laughs> Well, yes, they had an article here, New York Times, um, December 7th, uh, article, Why Corporate America Can't Build a Sentence by Sam Dillon. This is a page one article. Yeah, and uh, it was fairly extensive. And it talked about uh, that very subject and, and something I didn't realize, corporate America spending a lot of dough to try and get people some remedial training and how to write. Yeah, the situation is uh, pretty consistent no matter who you talk to. Uh especially with the era of quick communications, email and instant messaging, people tend to forget about rules of grammar and then yeah. they forget about rules of punctuation and they truncate sentences and try to be quick and then they wind up having recipients of those emails call them back and say, did you mean A or did you mean B? Right. And they wind up having to do it all over again. And then the problem is even worse if you're putting out a white paper or a report and it confuses a customer or an employee or a colleague or the worst of the press. Yeah, the article talked about how uh, how bad writing is actually by putting uh, what what was maybe not intended but came across as a hostile tone in in writing led a couple of corporations almost to come to blows uh, in the courtroom. Yeah, and this is especially so in email. It's so easy to have an email message misconstrued if you yeah. tend to write tersely mm-hmm. or if you tend to go on too much. There's an impression created, and it's very subtle. Uh, I don't think we have all the research in yet about all those subtleties, but, for example, if you write an email in all caps, it comes across as screaming. Right. A lot of novices don't realize that. and I know It's like people, people write back, why are you shouting at me? Yeah, exactly. And um, other people have improvised little symbols so that in the absence of face-to-face conversation, the recipient of an email can figure out, well, he was just joking with that comment. Sure. Because it's not sometimes apparent. But what is apparent is that we have to be a better manager of our English language so that the words we use in our sentences and the sentences we use in our paragraphs, be it an email or elsewhere, really do convey meaning and don't confuse the reader. Well, Roger, you're you're in quite a tear on this subject. You had a special uh, a special editorial in the Sacramento Bee just last no, uh, November 26th, Friday, November 26th, about this uh, same matter of how to communicate more effectively. Yeah, and it talked about the corporate side, but as well the the adolescents who are rightfully scared to death of the SAT 2005. It's very difficult where writing and grammar are concerned. The typical 
adolescent I encounter uh, with tutoring is uh, an A or B student in mathematics and science. Uh When it comes to putting a sentence together, they freeze. We learn to write poorly, I think, in college, or at least our generation did. This generation going into college can't write at all. Mm -hmm. And um, the average professor who assigns writing, not just in English, but in any other course, is very frustrated by the incoherent communication abilities or the lack of abilities of, of freshmen coming out of California high schools. Let me just take from your own, your own editorial here. You, you put a lot of principles in here that I think are really quite, uh, quite sound. You said we should always seek to be understood, we should seek to be credible, we, and we gain nothing by sounding uh, illiterate or silly. Yes. People should learn their roots. They should learn that most English comes from Latin or Greek roots. And when you and I, I know it from my own life, spending some time learning those roots, which I was not taught in school, really did pay off. Yeah, well, I went to Catholic grade school, and we had <laughs> Latin uh, drilled into our brains. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I must say that it was pretty. It was very useful because there and after, I could uh, you know figure out what a word meant by just looking at the roots, the prefix, the suffix, and so on. And then the next biggest source of language, um, of vocabulary English language, is Greek, yeah. used heavily in medicine, science, mathematics, political science. And, uh, you know, English is a bastard language. It's made up of about nine different languages yeah. pulled together between, oh, 800 A.D. and 1600 A.D. But if you know those Latin and Greek root words, you're in great shape. Pre-meds, take note. I tell you, when going into medicine and not having had that background in Latin, it was a lot tougher. Yeah. I do remember that back in English class, uh, they did, we did go over those logical fallacies, and those have served me well over the years. Yes, they are. Should, uh, should, we, should we do a few of those for the listeners? Yeah, well, there's the slippery slope, Okay. for example. The slippery slope, and these are all names that philosophy professors give to yeah. fallacies. Yeah, poisoning the well. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's some of them are so close it's hard to differentiate. What I tell mm-hmm. my clients is, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the definition of the of the fallacy is, so long as you recognize that you've used a fallacy right. in your reasoning. But there must be anywhere from 16 to 30 different fallacies, and they're fascinating and they're fun because, you know, I, I come from the marketing profession, and in advertising we use fallacies all the time. Politicians, you just listen to two years' worth of fallacious thinking uh, from both sides. Yeah. They're very useful because they quickly strike the emotions, but they don't necessarily also strike your sense of what is cause and effect and what is reasonable and mathematical. I remember one politician that was uh, <laughs> Southern politician arguing the argument. They shouldn't teach evolution in schools because if we teach kids they come from monkeys, they're going to start acting like monkeys. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> the argument that um, yeah, we've got to have prayer in public school because then uh, children will behave better and have uh, a calmer classroom demeanor and will be better citizens. Did that pan out in Catholic school, by the way? Uh, no, we were just <laughs> as wild, as, if not more so, than the kids in the public schools. At least we were in the 1950s. I don't know what it's like now. Fallacy, it's just a fascinating area of logic, the field of logic in, in philosophy. Well, you've made, you've made quite, uh, you actually do presentations about how to, uh, to convey uh, things verbally. And I noticed, let me actually quote from this New York Times article. 
Um, said, even CEOs need writing help, said Roger S. Peterson, a freelance writer in Rockland, California, who frequently coaches executives. Many of these guys write in inflated language that desperately needs a laxative. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Peterson said. Yes. Yeah. Which is a pretty good line. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize how, uh, how quickly they would pick that up. But I mean, <laughs> we, we are just loaded with silly expressions in American English. You sent me a, a nice uh, summary of what in this uh, several slides you put together on this, and you start out by saying, you know, someone's going to take the opportunity to walk in front of an audience and say, "I want to take this opportunity to offer my thanks for your invitation to address you." When what the guy's really saying is, "Thanks for inviting me." Yeah, I mean, how many times have you heard someone say, "I want to take this opportunity to thank you for this, for inviting me," and I just want to stand up from the middle of the audience, say, "Well, say thank you," and be done with it. <laughs> Now, what do you got to take the opportunity for? You already have it. You're standing there. Got the mic in your hand. But we say these silly things because somehow along the, law, the line, we equated verbosity with elegance. And they simply are not related. Yeah, let me, let me skip ahead here to some of your, your pet peeves. Uh, some space-eating inflated phrases, you call them, meant to impress the don't. And some of these are pretty good. Consensus of opinion. Oh, gee, how many times have you heard a politician say that? Yeah. I consensus mean, it, of opinion. A consensus means that everyone agrees. Well, there you, yeah, exactly. So you don't have to say consensus of opinion, because what you're literally saying is a consensus that everyone agrees on an opinion. Here's, here's one I love. Very unique. Yeah. I used to use that one, frankly. Yeah. It's like, it's like being very pregnant. Yeah, you're either are or you aren't. Yeah. If yeah. you're unique, you're not very. <laughs> It's unique or it ain't unique. One or the other. Um, at this point in time, we're on the radio. Yeah, at this point in time. Yeah. You yeah. hear that every night in the evening news. Yeah. How about now? Yeah. 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 At this point or now would would do rather would would suffice. But then there there's the whole category of words that people simply misuse. They think they know what they mean, and therefore they use them. I remember. I had a client who was doing a presentation to five people, a big account, and I was brought in to help with some of the marketing. And in the end, he, he announced, and I want you to know that my system will help you avoid any duplicity in your operation. And I went up to him afterwards, and I said, I think you, what you meant was duplication, right? And I said, well, well duplicity, that means duplicate. No, no. Duplicity does not mean duplication. Uh-huh. And then I had a Ph.D. once described to me, how uh, they're very proud they are at their company um, about how they have customers, prospective customers, come and visit the operation. And he's turned to me and he said, I'm proud we give our customers a very fulsome experience here. <laughs> and I kind of smiled, and I didn't want to say anything, but uh -huh. he thinks fulsome means complete, and what it means is disgusting or offensive to bad taste. Yeah, actually, you noted that, that you noted that, uh, who was it, that someone made that statement they were d talking about Reagan? Yeah, the Washington Post ran an article uh, during, the, during the funeral of uh, President Reagan, and uh, it, was, it was picked up by the, the B, and I read it, and I could not believe it. It was on June 6th, and here I'm going to read it. European leaders mark Reagan's death with unusually fulsome praise. So I sent an email to the ombudsman at the Washington Post, and I said, do you, do you know what fulsome means? And he took only an hour to get back to me, and he said, yeah, yeah, you're right. We've been, several people 
emailed us about this. That's kind of a big whoops, but yeah, yeah, sure is. But how many times have you had a marketing campaign, especially the guys who do their own commercials on television, like car dealerships, saying, "We're going to give you the penultimate experience here at, you know, Joe's Auto Yard." Right. Me, me, in his own mind, meaning the ultimate. Yeah, they think they think penultimate must mean great. Well, ultimate is the Greek word for last. <laughs> penultimate means second to last. <laughs> so what you just said was, we're not very good, but at the end of the list, we might just be attractive <laughs> to you. <laughs> you you've got uh, this is you've got quite a few quite a few here on your yeah. list. I think are interesting. Um, how about the, how about you? You're at a party. Uh, and you make some comment about the food, and someone who's perhaps slightly tipsy turns to you and says, Oh, you're such a gourmand. I'm so impressed with what you had to say. Uh-huh. Well, what they, what she or he just said to you was you're a slob. You're a glutton. So gourmand means glutton. It does see, not mean gourmet. See, I, I thought gourmand was a, was a gourmet. So no, uh, gourmand uh-huh. is a ne- someone who, who is gluttonous. Yeah. Who doesn't want to stop eating. We we talked we talked to Stephen Kreidlander of the American Heritage Dictionary, and I, this one this one was a surprise to me. It's also on your list. I always thought peruse was to just look over briefly, but to yeah. to peruse something is to read it carefully. Carefully. So um, to say, oh, I skimmed over it. I just perused it. Uh-huh. Means that you just contradicted yourself. Yeah. Skim is not the same as peruse. And and some of these words have come to mean the opposite, or are being used the opposite of of um, what they mean. Right. P- people are saying literally when they mean figuratively. Yes. Now, I just heard someone at NBC News, a very high-paid reporter, uh, used the following expression a week ago when they were covering how early some of the retail stores were opening. Mm-hmm. And she said something like this on the Today Show. They opened the doors at 7 a.m., and the crowd literally broke through the doors. <laughs> And I, you know, I wanted to know, well, gee, are we going to have the police report following this? Uh, and was there anyone hurt when the glass broke? Exactly. Because literally means that they went through the glass. Yeah, yeah. I don't, this, that one really baffles me. I don't see how people can twist that one around. Well, they, they think it means, it, it's a figurative expression. Literally translated from the Latin means word for word. This is a subject we should probably spend. Uh, we should spend more than one segment on today. I, I think we we may we may have to bring you back to talk more about this, Roger. But let's just let's finish up with a couple a couple words that do not exist except in bad dictionaries. Uh, uh, now, I, I, irregardless, it just just irks the hell out of me. You and me both. Although I, my dictionary says, well, it can be sort of a comedic, comedically used or not intended to be serious. But everyone I know that uses it thinks that thinks it's a real word. Yeah, and when I just said you and me both, that's wrong. You and I both. You and I both. Yeah. Now, you say, you say accidentally is not a word? Accidentally is a misspelling that in some dictionaries is coming to, uh, is listed as an oh. acceptable alternative spelling for accidentally. And you have it The ac- word is accidental. Uh-huh. So, therefore, the adverb to the adjective would be accidentally. And, oh, I see. So, people are writing it accidentally. Yes. Because they Got shortened it. it in their speech, so therefore they try to shorten it in their spelling. And less than sterling dictionaries are are accepting this. You have to be very careful what dictionary you keep near your desk in a business. Yeah, let's let's close with that. A word on uh, on dictionaries, which we should all we should all have many of them in our houses. Yes, but throw some of them out. Okay, which ones? Just about any dictionary that says a 
Dictionary of Contemporary Usage. Okay. Because dictionaries of contemporary usage uh, will, if I can manufacture a word here in, in the middle of this interview, they kind of legitimize a non-standard usage. So some dictionaries of contemporary usage have actually declared that uh, irregardless is an acceptable alternative. No! And that is absolutely wrong. Say it isn't so. The worst dictionary in this, in this category is the Merriam-Webster Collegiate Dictionary. I must say, I found that Merriam-Webster, for the most part, especially the small ones, are just terrible little dictionaries. The smaller, the worse. That's yeah. another factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The smaller the dictionary, the less useful it's going to be. So if, you're, if you've got a, a paperback pocket dictionary you bought because it's nice and small, use that only for spelling. But even there, it's going to tell you irregardless is acceptable, and it's not. I think probably the best dictionary, at least according to... Uh, the fist ranking of collegiate dictionaries from a vocabula.com, a service I subscribe to, is the Oxford American College Dictionary. Because it's still to this day, after several hundred years, the Oxford University Dictionary is not only the best dictionary of the English language, it's the most complete and it's the biggest, it's the largest historical record. Roger, we're out of time, and I wish, you know, when we come back, let's do, let's do a bunch of examples of mistakes that you hear in the media, but I only want to mention one today, which you put in, your, in, this, in this presentation of yours, which I just love. Kelly O'Donnell, NBC News, quote, he was asked who was the best president under which he served. Well, <laughs> you know, um, I don't want to comment about any former president and his habits in the adjoining <laughs> office, but... Uh, that is clearly a grammatical error. Yeah. It could be under whom he served. And we're pretty sure that's not referring to Monica Lewinsky. No. Yeah. All right. Well, it has been, it's been an interesting segment. Uh, Roger S. Peterson, please, uh, please come back and talk to us again about this. Well, I'd be happy to. Could you, and also, uh, for people that want to know more, your website can be lo- located where? It's sacramentowriters.com. Sacramentowriters.com. All right. Thanks for coming back. Thank you for inviting me. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax, and you are listening to KDVS 90.3 FM, Davis, Sacramento.